of your eye, huddled in the darkest shadows of imagination, it waits. Now is the time to face the fear. Welcome to Horror Lasagna. Embrace the trepidation. So we are on episode eight, Suck. Suck. And this movie did not. <laughs> no, it's really funny because he has a, um, it's made by Ron Stefanik. He uh, wrote it, directed it, and he stars in it, which is usually a combination for a horrible film. <laughs> but he also did a documentary, uh, and it's called something like How to Make a Movie That Sucks, which I thought was pretty funny. Okay, that's a little self-deprecating humor. I like that already. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, just, okay, I'm going to see a horror movie called Suck. Huh, I wonder what it's about. <laughs> yeah, good question. they don't try and hide that whatsoever. <laughs> no. Uh, and I think the closest thing I can think of as an analog to this film would be um, the original Fright Night. I can see that, yeah. Where it's it's campy vampire stuff, and they're not running away from it. They're just giving it a big old hug. Yeah, though, though it's it, we are a campy vampire movie, and that's what we're going to be to the extreme. Yes. Um, it came out in two thousand nine. Oddly enough, on nine eleven. Wow. Um, it debuted at the Toronto International Film Festival. Um, and it also played at South by Southwest. Cool. You won't find um, you won't find box office numbers because it didn't release in the U.S. in the box office. It did it did um, festivals and it did um, like direct to DVD and stuff like that, which makes it perfect for us to discuss on this podcast. Sure, um, it is a movie. It is it fits under the category of horror comedy, which is a favorite favorite of mine and uh, horror comedies like break down you know into smaller groups like you have the ones that are subtly funny you have the ones that are dark humor then you have the slapstick ones this one seems to air closer to the slapstick version this isn't zombie land this is uh closer to Shaun of the dead yeah a a little bit of tucker and dale type stuff too if you like tucker and dale yeah for sure. It's, I mean, for a movie that wasn't in the theater, for me, I would say this is a pretty high quality movie. Not because it's big budget, not because it's special effects in that, because it kept me interested. It was funny and it had the campiness just totally embraced. And, you know, I'm a sucker for campiness. The music and the cast in this is phenomenal. Now, the actual cast of actors is really nothing to write home about, but the guest stars that they had in it (laughs) was just incredible. Um, It was done on a three and a half million dollar budget, which is, you know, it's not mega money, but it's still a considerable amount. Probably quite a bit for some of the the special guest appearances. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Rob Stefanik... he acted in a bunch of TV shows, Canadian TV shows. And there was a movie uh, about, um, there's a lady from Saturday night live who had a character 
of a Catholic schoolgirl, and she had a movie out called Superstar. Right, right. He was in Superstar. Okay. And he directed a lot of TV shows. But other than that, like, Suck was just his project, I guess. Um, so he stars in it. He plays uh, the front man for a band named Joey. Um, their bassist is a sexy young lady and played by Jessica Pear. She was in Hot Tub Time Machine. Oh, okay. Um, and again, a bunch of Canadian stuff, but Hot Tub Time Machine is the only thing you're going to recognize. Uh, Paul Anthony, on the other hand, uh, he plays the lead guitarist. He's been in a bunch of stuff. He was in Stargate. SG one. Uh, he was in blade Trinity. He was in the collector, another good reverse home invasion horror movie. Uh, he was also in stargate Atlantis. Um, maybe that's, I kind of recognized him and that, yeah, that you're saying ping. Yeah. He was in American Mary, which is a, uh, a great, uh, body horror, horror movie. If you haven't seen that one, maybe we'll throw that on the list somewhere down the line. Okay. Um, I zombie. He was also in the flash. Okay. Um, the bass, uh, the drummer in, in this band is named Mike Lobel. And, um, he's not really in, I don't want to say he's not in anything you'll recognize if you're into Degrassi high stuff. Because he was in about 8 million versions of Degrassi High. Okay. Which is not usually my watch list. (laughs) No. But if you look at him, he kind of looks like he's a guy who would come from Degrassi High, right? He's the perfectly coiffed facial hair and his hair's like gelled. Um, Now let's get into like some of the famous people. Um, Alice Cooper is in this film. Alice Cooper is in this film. He doesn't play a small part. He plays a pivotal role. And he liked the movie so much that he brought his own wardrobe so they wouldn't have to pay to clothe him. Wow. Yeah. Now, you you know you're saying something about them when they have a specialty made wardrobe already that fits a movie like this. I mean, (laughs) yes, I love that. He did have one coat that they provided because they had to cut the back of it. So that wasn't uh, Alice's coat, but he, oh, uh, other than that, yeah. everything else, uh, his daughter's actually in it. She has a little bit part. Um, she plays, um, the, like the, the barmaid in the first bar they play in. Okay. Um, and I always like okay. it when, when they do stuff like that. Um, Kevin Smith did that in Tusk through his daughter in there. Yeah. Um, so that kind of thing's kind of cool to me. Henry Shatner did it in uh, the one episode of Star Trek. Oh, which one? Uh, The one with the kids uh, on the planet, Miri, that, uh, uh, you know, they they killed all the adults. Yeah, yeah. His kid was in that. That is really cool. Yeah, I think it's the one where at one point a little girl comes running up to him and he picks her up. That's his daughter. That is awesome. Um. I'm trying to think. I thought I had a note of what her actual name is. I'm going to come across it somewhere along the line. But uh, another big name, Henry Rollins, is in this. Henry Rollins, I'm a big fan of Black Flag. Uh, He plays plays a radio DJ, and you really get the impression of what he thinks about radio DJs. (laughs) 
um, by the way yes. he plays him. He really embraces the role. Um, yeah, there's not much of this movie that's not over the top in some way. Oh, yeah. Everyone's favorite uh, guitarist, Alex Lifeson, is in this, uh, playing a washed-up uh, ex-guitar guy from a band from a long time ago who now works for Border Security. Yeah, Canadian Border Security, which is great. Yeah. Um, Iggy Pop is in this. He plays a pretty big role. Um, I am always floored, especially when you listen to him sing, to hear him talk. Because his voice, yeah, I mean, I mean, it makes sense. Like everything he's done to his vocal cords, it makes sense that he talks like this. But it just, it really strikes me every time I see him talking. And it, 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 it cracked me up too because Iggy Pop is dispensing the best wisdom in the whole movie. Yes, and yes. it just, you know, <laughs> right. Um, Malcolm McDowell is in this, um, you know, yeah. and um, Moby has a role in this movie. He, he plays uh, the front man for a band called uh, Secretaries of State. Um, and of course, if it's going to be a Canadian it, it, comedy. Very... What's that? Go ahead. Oh, I was going to no, say. No, go ahead, finish. And if it's a Canadian comedy, Dave Foley has to be in it. Guy from Kids in the oh. Hall. <laughs> yeah. He's. He's and so I was going to say about Moby, it's funny because uh, the, his character in the movie is so unlike his actual musical persona. Absolutely. It's the exact opposite. And he must yeah. have really had fun doing it. Yeah. Um, there's a few other people of note. Uh, Dimitri Coates yeah. uh, plays a guy named Queenie. And you're not going to know him from a whole lot in the way of movies, but he does a lot of movie music. So okay. he does a lot of vocals for, for music in movies. Um, Barbara Mambo plays, um, Malcolm McDowell's character's girlfriend. Um, she's a small time jazz singer. Um, and she's been in various television programs in Canada. Um, and Nicole DeBoer plays Joey's girlfriend for a while. Um, she was from Stargate Atlantis. She was on Deep Space Nine, and she yeah. was in, of course, the quintessential torture uh, film Cube. She uh, plays Ooh. a role in Cube. So, and, and of note with her, which I looked her up because I'm like I recognize her, and I'm like, oh, DS Nine, of course, duh. Um, but I found out, and I seem to be collecting a list of celebrities that fall into this category. But she was born four days after me. She was born on the 20th in 1970. uh, And her ex was born two days after me. (laughs) They're only two days apart. Uh, So, And she was in Star Trek. So I was like, ooh, cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Um, The whole movie was shot in and around Toronto um, in various dive bars in Toronto. Um, In fact, there is a, a bar in Toronto called The Big Bop. I hope it's still there. Um, it had multiple stages in the bar. You know, sometimes you'll have bars that are big enough to have multiple stages. They used that bar to shoot three different bar scenes going from one stage to the next to the next uh, for the movie, which I thought is actually a really clever solution for yeah. you know, site sourcing. And the extras in the movie were brought in from Toronto's goth scene, which uh, apparently was strong and vibrant in 2009 when this was filmed. At least big enough to be in a movie. 
Yeah. Ah, Calico. I knew I'd find the note. Alice Cooper's daughter's <laughs> name is Calico. Calico. Okay, yeah. Calico Cooper. Yep. All right. Um, so the movie opens with no music. It's just silence as the uh, credits begin. Right. And then out of nowhere, Henry Rollins comes in playing Rock and Roger, a DJ, talking about rock and roll and sex and drugs and all this stuff. <laughs> but you um, didn't know it was him quite right then. It was just his shadow and Yeah, it was kind of a profile shadowy thing. Although I recognize And before his that voice. even Oh uh, okay. And before that even, uh what cracked me up initially was the uh a claymation bat. That's flying across the water. Yes. Um, and that, that was cracking me up because I'm like, okay, I'm getting a vibe from this movie right here because it does not look any better than Rudolph from the sixties. And it was, it was great. I loved it that way. It's really funny because they, it, it leads into a theme that they do with this map and their car yes. traveling, which reminds me of Indiana Jones. It did. Yes. Yeah. But the bat reminded me of the crow. If you go watch the Crow movie, it has uh, scenes with the raven flying just like that. Sure. Except the bat looked like he was drunk. (laughs) Well, that bat flies into a crappy dive bar and turns into like the youngest, sveltest, best dressed guy there as he's walking through the crowd, like the camera zooming in on him. He's walking past these big fat beer belly guys with great big beards and stuff and Unlike um, the other vampire movies we've watched this season, uh, this is what we're we're kind of used to from Anne Rice and that. Oh my gosh, that's a vampire! Yes. <laughs> you know, he's silk shirt, leather yeah. pants, giant fang necklace hanging off his neck, big which, red eyes, uh-huh. white pale, pasty face. Yep. Um, as the camera's following him, you see that Alice Cooper is manning the bar. Um, you see that, uh, Dave Foley, who plays Jeff, the manager for the band is, uh, looking bored and he's checking on his phone. And the first person in the band, uh, the band's called the winners is Jennifer, the bass player. She notices him as he comes in and he gives her a little smile and both (laughs) of their eyes glow red and you know, he's got her. Right. Um, so. Like I said, uh, Jeff turns out to be their manager. He's a little bit of a shyster, and he's dumping the band. After the set's done, he's uh, he's sitting there basically telling Joey, the front man, lead singer, that, you know, I'm really a horrible manager. You're better off without me. Um, and, the, and the barmaid keeps bringing them drinks. And um, the drinks are free to Joey. But um, Jeff has to pay for him. It's like right. 20 bucks a bottle or something like that. <laughs> I it's think ridiculous. she just takes the 20. Yeah. 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 Um, so Joey walks over to uh, the bar and starts talking to the bartender who speaks in these kind of mysterious, all knowing kind of <laughs> platitudes. And Joey's just like, uh, huh. And, then and he knows walked. his name. Yes. Yeah. He knows his name. Um, and that's a funny thing. Alice Cooper's character does not have a name right. in this in this movie, so we'll just call him Alice Cooper, I guess. You know, nice visual I don't know for if all of you much listening. Difference. Yeah, 
Um, so Joey heads out. While he's heading out, the lead guitarist, uh, Tyler, is helping pack things up, you know, because lead guitarists are helpful. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, and, they are uh, more than lead singers usually. Who left the building. So, yeah. <laughs> um, he's helping pack up with their roadie, a French-Canadian named Hugo. And the drummer, whose name is Sam, is, of course, handling the drum stuff because no one else should be touching the drummer stuff. <laughs> right. We all know how this is. Um, meanwhile, Jennifer is hanging out with this ridiculously over-the-top obvious vampire guy. Right. Um, they're all heading out. The band travels in a hearse, which I find very <laughs> humorous. They don't have a van. They've got a hearse. Um, and they're out there talking. And Jennifer's going to leave with the vampire to go to a party. And and um, Joey's really big on, we leave in the morning. You've got to be here. If you're not here, we're leaving without you. Right. Because, like, you know, they'll be w- much more successful without the hot bass player. Hot female bassist, yes. <laughs> right. A hot woman who knows how to play bass. Yes. Right. That doesn't sell tickets. Um, so the band plans on sleeping in the hearse because they don't have any money. Even though it smells. Leaving. Yes, even though it smells bad. Um, Jennifer goes to this party and it's attended by a bunch of white-skinned goth people in this mansion owned by the vampire. Um, and he entrances her to the point that the whole room starts spinning. And I thought that was a really great camera use to like portray the whole spins thing. If you've ever yeah. had too much to drink and like you feel like the room's spinning, they do a good job of showing what that feels like in this movie. <laughs> and it also really, the whole scene was, I mean, you knew, oh, they're turning her into a vampire without having lots of biting and sucking. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. I mean, the the whole thing goes into basically a music video. Yes. Oh, um, yes. With with um, uh, Dimitri Coates like providing the vocals and stuff, and you don't even see the bite, but you right. definitely it's definitely inferred. And she ends up writhing on the floor amidst the circle of the vampire and all of his friends. Right. And um, and just an aside for the music for one moment. This. The music in this show was utterly fantastic the whole way through. It turned the thing into a musical almost because almost, yeah. they, they weren't, uh, they, you couldn't cut the music out because it actually was telling part of the story just in music form. I know a lot of musicals, they'll sing a song that have to do with the scene that they are in, but this actually had lyrics that were part of the scene that they were singing instead of talking. And it, and that's just another way that made it kind of over the top because it's that old Calvin and Hobbes thing, you know, walking around, uh, music comes out of the trees and you break in the song. Yeah. Uh, it, it, everything. It just, when they started music, I would start laughing by the end of it and then really have to listen. Don't, don't dismiss the music because it really helps tell what's going on in part of the story. Yeah, uh, Rob Stefanik actually was in a band called The Winners, and he's actually the one who's singing like those songs that The Winners are performing on stage, which I thought was really cool. I don't know if the rest of the band is... I don't think the rest of the band was like the cast, but still, I thought that was really cool. Other than The Battery, this obviously has been my favorite soundtrack that we've done. Yeah, yeah, it's a good one. Um, 
The band's tired of waiting for her the next day, and Joey tells Hugo that he'll be taking Jennifer's place. So the roadie is very excited that he's going to get a chance to shine, show his bass playing prowess. Right. Um, it's it is pointed out at that point that Joey and Jennifer used to date, and apparently Jennifer dumped him, although he has a different telling to that story. Of course, like most guys. And um, three times throughout this movie, they recreate famous cover art for, yes. for um, things. And this is the first because all four members who are there of the band cross the road and it's a perfect, yes, representation of the Abbey Road cover, which right. is really, really interesting. Which I didn't expect that, but I was watching it and I'm like, wait a second. I, yeah. you know, and, they, and they don't just pass it by. They literally pause for a moment. Yep on that yep. scene. And I was like, okay, I love this movie and everything about it now. Uh, so then they start heading South um, and their trip South again, reminded me of Indiana Jones. Cause there's a map of Canada with like notes written all over it and splatters. Yep. And there's this little plastic car kind of traveling across it. And then they do part of the trip in claymation, which yes. I, I loved all the claymation because I mean, it was, they probably did it all on purpose, but it was like, we're, we're trying not to make this look superb. We're trying to make right. it look like a fifth graders claymation movie. Yes. <laughs> and, yes. And, that, and that was perfect. If they had done anything else, it would not have looked as good. And the indie thing. Yes. I picked up on that. And it's funny you mentioned that. Cause I told you, I saw jungle cruise. They did the map thing in jungle cruise too. Yeah. It's a handy thing for when people are traveling, apparently. Yeah. Uh, they stop at a photo shoot. Uh, where Joey's present girlfriend, Susan, she's the model at the shoot. Um, she's pretty cold and distant about the band altogether, mostly because Joey's just there to get some money off of her. Um, but she hears that Jennifer's not going to be at the show in Montreal. And now she's like, oh, well, then maybe put me on the list. I'll come to your show and take $100 out of my wallet. And so he takes the 100 bucks and leaves, and, you know, everything's great. Um, yeah. And her mood definitely lightens when she finds out that Jennifer's not going to be there. Right. Unfortunately for her, that's not what happens. Um, at the sound check, <laughs> they're they're running through a song, and Hugo's playing all the wrong notes. Um, he does manage to stop when the rest of the band stops, and I really <laughs> really like Which it. Which is not like, a good representation of bass players. I'm just going to say. <laughs> um, there's a point where like. The sound tech's like, are we good? <laughs> and Joey's like, no, but we're done. <laughs> and I was like, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, you're not good, but... Uh, but then all of a sudden, Jennifer walks in, and she looks completely different. She's all pale, and her lips are all done up, and she walks in seeming all this confidence, and she's got this whole vampire aesthetic about her. But right. as soon as they start questioning her she like completely drops all that. And she's like a horrible liar. And, <laughs> and um, her lack of capably lying shows you that she's still good at heart. She's, she's like new to this whole vampire thing. Yeah. Um, and even that was, though, ref that's, that's that was re refreshing because uh, it was like the, the vampires were just normal people that, that didn't have their life together. Unlike most other vampire movies. Oh yeah, I mean, vampirism in this movie is definitely used as like a thing for like drug use. 
in the music scene. It is it is analogous analogous to that because it's never anyone's fault. They've got a problem. Just lighten up. Everyone's doing it. Um, yeah, yeah. And there's a scene later, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But just when they're all vampires and the the manager's like, "Oh, okay, everything's good." You know, yeah. he's just happy because they're popular. But that's we're all coming. good. That's I'm coming. making money. Yeah, it, it just always cracked me up. Yeah, it turns out that she got a ride down there to meet them, um, and she ate another band called the Itchies. So um, now it cuts to a scene of uh, Malcolm McDowell. He's got an eye patch, um, and he's <laughs> he's staking a vampire, um, and he's looking for the uh, queen, looking for the queen, and he's like staking the vampire, and he'll never tell him. Um, right. So it's just this little interjection. It's your first introduction to uh, Eddie Van Helsing, which is Malcolm McDowell's right, character's which, name. Come on, that's yeah, perfect. Yeah. And um, and that whole scene had a had the feel of like Tarantino's Grindhouse movies. Yeah, it just reminded me of that. Oh yeah, because like he pounds the stake and blood goes flying, and then they hold this partial conversation. Then he hits the stake again, and they talk some more. Right, either that or or the the scene in. Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie where the vampire's dying, he's going, uh, 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 yeah. uh. yeah. Longest death ever. Ever, yeah. And he gets his arm cut off and he goes, kill him a lot. <laughs> I, I mean, I know people didn't like Buffy, but I always thought it was hilarious. Yeah. Um, so we just had that little interjection to introduce you to Eddie Van Helsing. And now uh, we see Susan is outside the bar arguing with the bouncer that she should be on the list to see the winners. And the funny thing is the bouncer is played by Carol Pope, who is uh, in the States. We don't know her, but in Canada, she's a pretty famous feminist punk musician. Um, So I'd never heard of her, but like they gave her a special call out during the credits. So I went and like looked into it. So yeah, just these little bit parts they like would fill with, you know, people who are like in the industry and I think they were excited to be part of this movie. Um, Eddie shows up at the bar, Eddie Van Helsing, and he's got this flashlight. And we find out later that Eddie's scared of the dark. Um, but the flashlight gets knocked away from him and he like drops to the ground to try and find a flashlight <laughs> and he's crawling around on the ground. And it's getting kicked across the floor as people are dancing. Um, because Jennifer's vampirism really suits the band well. Like the crowd is into it and they're not used to that. They're used to playing right. music and people not paying any attention. And Susan shows up and she's got a beer and she's dancing and happy. And then she notices that Jennifer's there and she shows us her superpower, which turns out <laughs> that she can accurately throw a beer bottle because she does it several times. She hits Joey in the head with a beer bottle, which knocks him out. And of course, as any good band knows, the band can't stop. They just keep going. Even if your lead singer does not know the words to Stairway to Heaven, you just keep going. You just keep going. Uh, Or if your lead singer has been knocked out by a beer bottle and lying in the middle (laughs) of the stage. (laughs) Joey finds himself at a crossroads. Um, Like, not I'm not being figurative. He's literally standing at a crossroads. Robert Johnson is playing that famous song that he wrote about selling his soul to the devil, Crossroads. Yeah. 
And while he's there, Alice Cooper is there and he's talking to him and he's like, you've got a decision to make. Um, and that's the coat that Alice Cooper did not provide. Uh, right, that right. was the one that they gave to him. And it was like, oh my God, Alice Cooper is the crossroads demon yes. selling your soul to him. I was like, I, he probably loves that. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. I'm sure he did. Um, when Joey wakes up from this little hallucination, Hugo's standing over him. Um, and the big talk is that we did real well. They asked us to play an encore and they're like excited <laughs> by that. So there you go. You, you lost your lead singer and guitarist, but they kept going and people love them even more because you have a female vampire. <laughs> yes. And and you start to get little glimpses that Joey might be a little jealous or threatened by Jennifer here. Um, but before you can even really get into it, um, Eddie shows up with a flashlight and he's like looking for Jennifer and he's trying to be subtle about it. You know, Hey, great show tonight guys, which is really funny because Malcolm McDowell is an old dude, you know, yeah. and he's there in a trench coat with an eye patch and a flashlight. But uh, seriously, um, I think he's looked the same for like the last 30 years. Yeah. 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 Pretty much. Um, He's looking for Jennifer. They're like, she's out getting something to eat. And they send Hugo to go find her, which becomes a funny joke because Hugo does end up like taking care of Jennifer a lot. in this. Now movie. this roadie goes above and beyond. He yes. is like, everybody should have a roadie this dedicated. Absolutely. <laughs> um, we get a flashback of Eddie's backstory. And basically as a young man, he fell in love with this young jazz singer and she got, turned into a vampire by um the vampire that has bit jennifer the queen vampire whose name is queenie in the movie um now the funny thing is that footage is actually malcolm mcdowell from 1973 oh that's awesome uh, yeah he after clockwork orange he wrote a movie wrote a script, gave it to a director friend of his, and they made it. It's called Oh Lucky Man. It is a very uh, depressing, dystopian kind of movie. Um, but since he wrote it, he still had the rights to it, and he let them use it as the flashback scenes for when he was younger so they wouldn't have to do any CGI or anything like that. They just That's used his old superb. movie. Yeah. I love that. And in his that, movie, his girlfriend's actually Helen Mirren a very young Helen Mirren. But in this movie, it's uh, Jennifer. No, not Jennifer. It's um, the jazz singer whose name escapes me at the moment. I don't remember. But um, I just thought that was super cool. Cause I, I like, true. I got into the whole, Oh, lucky man. I'm like reading the plot synopsis. I'm like, wow, this is dark stuff. Oh, it's Malcolm <laughs> McDowell. That makes sense. <laughs> um, the band is now on their way to Buffalo. Um, and Jennifer looks like crap. And um, Joey's just assuming that she's strung out. They have to stop so she can throw up. Um, and they have to go through customs. And he's all worried because she looks a mess. And they pull up and Alex Lifeson's in the booth. And he's like, pull it over. So they got to pull now, over. From everything I've ever seen with Lifeson and the rest of Rush and all the little 
video stuff they do. He he's a stoner for one thing, and he uh, is just a goofball. And so this was so perfect. I mean, he probably would have done well on on um, Benny Hill. He just seems to be that type of personality. And everything about this was just so good with him. He, I, I, he probably loved doing this. Oh, yeah. We probably don't even understand how much he loved doing this. So, so I, I love this part. And it, it's so funny because um, if you watch the trailer park, boys, he, he is the member of Rush who is actually in the show. Okay. Uh, like they go to see Rush, they steal one of his guitars, and like he's in the he's in Trailer Park Boys, and he's like does a, another special one later when they're in Nashville. So, uh, oh, cool. yeah, he enjoys playing with this, dabbling with the film creators yeah, in Canada. That's, I love it. He gets uh he tells him to pull over, and you get your second album cover because there's a shot of the American flag on mm-hmm. the wall. And Mike, the drummer, standing in front of it with a hat hanging out. And it's, it's the Born in the USA album the USA, cover. Yeah. Bam, right there. Um, so they walk up to talk to the person. And Alex Lifeson comes over and calls the lady out and says, I'll handle this one. And he's putting on rubber gloves as they're approaching. <laughs> um, he's got a he's, very, like, like, almost German accent going yes. on. A little mustache. Yeah. <laughs> Being very aggressive. Um, his questioning is like, he's like into Jennifer's business. He's like, do you have anything on you and all this stuff? But as soon as he hears they're in a band, he's like, oh, I used to be in a band. Rock on. You guys are good to go. And they get to leave. After Jennifer throws up in her purse. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because again, she's not doing well. Right. Um, after they leave, Eddie shows up at the gate. And Lifeson questions him and he's like, citizenship? And Eddie's like, American. And he's like, what were you doing? And he's like, I was hunting. He's like, do you have any any weapons? He's like, I've got all kinds of weapons in here. And Alex Lifeson's like, welcome home, sir. And waves him through. Which is just like, this was like Rob Stefanik's this is what we think of the United States right there. <laughs> You celebrate violence and you're cool with it. So Um, they stop at a convenience store, um, which makes sense because she's been throwing up all over the place. Hugo has to pee. So Jennifer and Hugo go in and the cash register guy is in there and thinks he has a shot with Jennifer, even though he's like this bespectacled kind of nerd. Um, Hugo goes to the bathroom and he comes, the the guy behind the counter comes over with a cup and a straw and he's being all uh, double entendre and everything he says. And, and Jennifer's like, yeah, yeah. And she like grabs the straw and plunges it into the guy's neck and starts drinking it like a juice box. Which is like almost the, the joke thing for vampires to do. I mean, yes. it was, I, 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 again, I was laughing throughout this whole thing just because these are the perfect moments that i love in these type of movies yeah um hugo comes out and is like freaks out and passes out and falls on the floor they're they're cutting in in between these scenes with scenes of the other three band members in the hearse they're like complaining about how long they're taking and what's taking so long and just relax and um hugo wakes up 
and <laughs> he's like, you drank a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even know if she enchants him or not, but she's like, you're going to help me clean this up. You're going to help me dismember the body and hide it. Um, and eventually he's like, I'll need my hacksaw. And she's like, I brought it and hands in the hacksaw. And they don't show us him dismembering the guy, but she comes out and gets in the car. And Joey's like, she's handing out what everybody ordered. And Joey's like, where's Hugo? And she's like, oh, he had a nosebleed. <laughs> and when he gets in the car, he's covered in blood. <laughs> he's they're very like, traumatized. Yeah. They're like, that was one heck of a nosebleed. He's like, we have to go. We have to go. And he's shaking in the back seat. So they leave. Um, just after they leave, Eddie pulls up to the convenience store as well. So, you know, like he's right on their trail. Um, they were talking about they're performing at this place in Buffalo and the secretaries of state are playing and they hate the sec- opening for the secretaries of state because their fans are just there to see this band called the secretaries of state and they bring raw meat <laughs> to throw at the band while they perform, which sounds kind of disgusting. Um, <laughs> But so, a little, and, you know, reminiscent of Rocky Horror Picture Show. Oh, sure. You know, yeah, or, not... you know, weird local bands like Big Hunk of Cheese and stuff, and, like, their <laughs> fans showing up. So, at the bar that night, um, the Secretaries of State are, are performing. Moby's fronting the band. Uh, they're, the music's not bad, but their performance is just over the top. Yeah, yeah. Um. And the winners are sitting on the couch, and here's your last album cover. They're wearing a Union Jack as they're sitting there. It's the Kids Are All Right cover uh, by The Who. Actually, I think we missed another album cover. I think the first time Jennifer's playing, it's T-Rex. Oh! They, 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 when she glows, she's by the speaker and the same pose as... Uh, so you're right. Matt- I did not catch that, but that doesn't happen until later. Oh, it doesn't happen till later. Okay. Uh, my yeah. my notes I think are a little out of order here, but okay. But that's a great catch. Um they're huddled under the Union Jack complaining about being pegged with meat. And and they're just like, why is it meat? Um so they go back to the hotel and the boys are getting high with Moby and he's acting like some prima donna dick. And um they're out of rolling papers and they're like, oh, Jennifer's got some. And Moby's like, he'll get him. And Hugo tries to stop him. And and Moby's like, you know, I'm a big star. Chicks dig that. Get out of my way, you useless little roadie. And Hugo's like, have a nice time. <laughs> yeah, which, again, cracks me up because it is so not Moby. I mean, what is he doing in this movie with goth oh, yeah. and heavy metal and, you know... <laughs> Yeah, it's hilarious. He's such a jerk in this movie. Uh, he goes in, um, and he thinks he's there to have a good time, and like whips his penis out, and Jennifer's like playing the whole thing up, and then like drops down to her knees, and then they cut to Tyler eating a hot dog as you hear screams from another room. <laughs> And they're like, oh, what was that? And Hugo's like, it was just a TV. And he starts pounding on the wall next door. And he's like, turn that down. Um, Joey says they're going to stop at Victor's. Uh, Victor owns a recording studio. Victor's played by Iggy Pop. And they start to bicker and argue. And Mike, the, I mean, 
Sam. Sam's played by Mike Lobel, so I keep calling him Mike. But Sam, the drummer, realizes that they all are in love with Jennifer. And he says, maybe it's just because she's the only girl here. But, um, so they realize this. And this is where we we see more of that tension between um, Joey and Jennifer. Because Tyler's like, Jennifer's got a song. And... Joey's like, well, we if we have time, you know, we'll listen to it. You know, he's kind of blowing the whole thing. Yeah. Off. Hugo comes in with the rolling papers. He's covered in blood again. Try, <laughs> yeah, tries to pass the whole thing off. Um, but uh, the guys are a little concerned about it. Um, so Hugo <laughs> leaves, and you see him in the bathroom, and he's sawing up, uh, Moby into bits so they can dispose of the body and a fly flies in and Hugo has just gone full Igor here. Like, cause he catches the fly, calls it his only friend and then eats it. And I'm just like, yeah. that's a big leap. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, reference to Dracula there. Yes, absolutely. Um, the rest of the band comes in and sees Jennifer eating Moby's arm. I mean, with the tattoo on it and everything. Um, and so there's a confrontation. They're like, oh my God, what's going on? While the confrontation's going on, you see that Ed arrives at the motel. Um, Jennifer runs through the list of powers that the vampires in this movie have. Um, they're super fast, super strong. Uh, they can telepathically communicate with other vampires, and they can turn into fog. That seems to be the whole list. Yeah. Although, like, he also ensnares people with the stare thing. Glamour going on. Yeah. Um, Ed breaks into the hotel room with his crossbow and his flashlights, but they're not there. They've gone to a diner. And Joey's setting some ground rules. Because if you're going to be a band with a vampire, (laughs) you got to have ground rules. And, number and I love one, that because they're not disturbed by it. It's more like, how is this going to affect us? You know, and, and they just roll with it. And like, okay, well, here's what we got to do because we're so popular now. Again, the analogy for drug use is just huge, okay? Because <laughs> rule number one is no more vampire turning, i.e. don't go sharing your drug with other guys in the band. Um, two, no more killing. Don't go killing stuff. She's going to have to <laughs> feed on a cow as they're driving along. <laughs> And three, that they have to have total honesty. And at this point, Jennifer's like, like you haven't told everyone that Jeff, our manager, quit. And that's when that comes out. And Joey's like, you know, it's fine. We're going to make it on our own. But everyone's a little taken aback by that. Yeah. Um, there's another music video that plays after this. Um, and it is a video of a song called I Almost Killed You Last Night. <laughs> Um, and it's, it's, um, it's a traveling piece, right? It's playing as they're getting to Buffalo. And and Um, these are getting like more disturbing and violent and dark and stuff as they're traveling. These animations. Yeah. 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 The video has, um, Joey lying in bed and Jennifer's like floating over him. They actually shot that vertically. So they were both standing up. And she was just like walking back and forth in and out of the frame to make it look like she was floating. Which is a callback to the Aerosmith Angel video. 
same thing happened in that. Nice. Good, good eye. <laughs> um, then there's this scene where Jennifer and Joey are trying to work through their differences as they're driving in the car and they end up apologizing to each other. And he agrees to record her song when they get to Victor's studio. So it's like this big moment where they've kind of moved on. They've moved past the fact that they broke up. He's kind of jealous of his spot in the band. And now she's a vampire, but they seem to have worked through that. There's a lot of shots of actual communication that happens with this band that takes place in the hearse. Yeah. Which I think is kind of symbolic of, you know, if you're on the road and you're traveling, a lot of business gets done while you're on the road traveling. Right. Right. Yeah. And the road, that, that travel small band is going to make or break you too, because you're stuck with these people for hours. Absolutely. Um, they arrive the next day at Victor's place and they're greeted by Victor who has a shotgun pointed at them and he just really seems bipolar and kind of paranoid but he lets them in um so like sam comes in and he points the gun at sam and he's like who's this and joey's like he's sam he's our new drummer (laughs) he's like are you a narc are you a cop and he's like no and then he's like i'm kidding come on in so they get in and they're setting up and did you see it on his desk? Uh, I heard it referenced. There's a Commodore 64 hard drive sitting on his desk next to the soundboard. Yeah, I, uh, I heard it. I didn't see it. I must have blinked or something. But yeah, he's it's Commodore over there for a second. Yeah, but okay. uh, Sam saying how old everything is. He's like, is that a Commodore 64? Yeah. Uh, and so when they pan over, there is a hard uh, one of the five and a quarter inch floppy drives sitting there. Nice. Yeah. Again, everything they do in this movie just makes me laugh every little yeah. bit. And I was going to also say some of the animations, I think, were references to like other movies, little callbacks to some things. Uh, they just looked familiar. I know the crow at the beginning is what stuck out to me, but I made a note that says other movie references, but I didn't write down what movies they reminded me of. I think you're right. There's a lot of hidden stuff in this that if you were big into like music, pop culture, yeah. scene kind of stuff, you could probably really have a field day, field day with this film. Yeah, there's probably, it's, you know, like trying to find Waldo. Uh, Multiple yeah. people could probably find different things, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, they start to record. And this was, I thought, a great way for, to illustrate to the world how like studio recording actually works. Because they record different parts, you know, just like you would in an actual studio. The only thing that I saw that was kind of a downside was that the bass and the drum track were recorded later. Because usually yeah. that's one of the first things you record yeah. to make sure everybody stays on beat. But other than that, like the recording process, I thought was just really well done. And Yeah, yeah. as long as you're not doing it in a church. Well, if you're a vampire, you can't. True. Right. Very true. So, um, you got to use Ziggy Pop Studio. <laughs> that's right. Uh, there's a scene where Victor's sitting with Joey, and Vig- Victor's like, she's a vampire. I can tell. Because, um, like, apparently, this is a thing in the Canadian music realm where vampires become musicians. And I um, love it. Joey's like, what? No, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. uh, he tells Joey he's a fool for trusting her. Um, and Joey's like, but the the crowd really responds. And he's like, because they're not there for your music. 
They're there for the freak show. They're there to see a vampire on stage, for God's <laughs> right. sakes. And he informs them that's the last recording they'll make in his studio. So that, too, references the music stuff. You know, do they stay true to their initial sound or do they sell out? And that's a big yeah. thing with music, too. And yep. obviously, they're selling out for the money. And you have this old, grizzled, one-time musician who now has a studio who's, like, trying to teach you lessons he learned from the road. And they're like, no, I'm not listening to you. Right. Free to make my own mistakes. Well, I mean, it is Iggy Pop. Did he really learn? <laughs> yeah. He's still alive. And which also, I mentioned The Crow. Iggy Pop was in the second Crow movie. Was he? Yeah. I never saw the second one. Uh, that's actually not too bad. The whole time they're having this conversation, by the way, Tyler is sitting on the couch next to Jennifer trying to get her to break the first rule. He wants her to give him a little bit of that vampire juice right. so people will enjoy it. Um, so they play a gig in Pittsburgh and Joey notices that, Hey, Tyler's a vampire now. Um, so it's obvious he finally did convince her. Um, they're at a new show on their way to the show. Jennifer's walking through and this stoned fan just comes up to her. David Bowie's playing in the background. Here comes the night, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, and this fan is like, he loves her and insists that she take these magic pills from him. Um, and so she does just to get him off her back and leaves. And then he turns to a lamp and is like, so beautiful. <laughs> so you know, obviously the guy really didn't know what the hell he was talking about. Um, now Joey notices that Sam looks different. So it looks like the entire band are now vampires except for Joey. Um, and he fights. He's just not having any of it, but he oh, yeah, still wants to be popular. Right. He hears that uh, Jeff is at the gig. Their manager's here at the gig, and he's with Susan, Joey's ex, and they're an item. So um, Joey goes out to talk to him at the bar, and Jeff wants to be back with the winners because they're having success now. And Joey <laughs> says he can't come back unless he dumps Susan, um, which <laughs> Jeff's just like, it's over. Right. So long. Goodbye. <laughs> yes, and Susan walks off in a huff and shows off her superpower by drilling Jeff in the head with a beer bottle. And I love also that what he's dropping them for is like some some uh, Japanese pop Korean music. pop music. Yeah. That, and, yes. And, and every time the phone rings, he answers. Uh, yeah. Konnichiwa. Konnichiwa, yeah. yeah. Um, he tells him he got him a gig on Rock and Roger's radio show for the next day. And, you know, they're excited by that. So Joey comes back into the room to tell the band, and he's got this headache, and he asks if there's any Tylenol, and Hugo's like, no, and then he sees the pills that Jennifer had, and he takes them. And they're definitely not Tylenol. No, we know why that guy was loving the lampshade. Yes. So he is tripping through the show, and as he's tripping, he looks, and the drugs allow him to see the vampires for what they are. And that's where you had the glow With, around Jennifer right. while she was yeah. playing the T-Rex cover. Um, great catch. Um, it's a he's good album. Coming, yeah. <laughs> he's coming back down um, after the gig and he confronts the whole band. It's like, I can't believe you're all on vampirism now. Um, and there's a knock on the door. 
And apparently another secret power that these vampires have is that they know when there's trouble coming because Jennifer's like, there's trouble on the other side of that door. And all three of them turn into fog. <laughs> Eddie opens the door, sees that the vampires have all turned into fog, threatens them, and then leaves. Well, he doesn't see it. He just sees they're not there. He's a pretty bad vampire hunter. <laughs> He's not the best. Yeah. It makes me wonder how he caught that first guy. <laughs> yeah. Vincent, he must have got a map or something from Vincent Price. Yes. Um, they go to the radio interview the next day, and they're horrible at it. Um, <laughs> Rockin' Roger is also a complete douche. I mean, the whole through the whole interview. and But, you know, like... A, a good interviewer is sitting there talking. And if your person you're interviewing isn't, you know, helping, then you like pull information. He's oh, just yeah. like, you're really not that bright. Are you? Yeah. The drummer, he says, well, yeah, you do need people to make decision for you. You're a drummer. <laughs> yeah. So, just wanted to point that one out. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's sitting there and, um, he says that the music sucks and Tyler, the guitarist is like, say it again. And he's like, it sucks. So they they turn into vampires and they eat him. Live. Just like, we are vampires. They eat him live on the air. And you hear him screaming. Yes. <laughs> Oddly enough, no real fallout from that. They end up in New York City. Because they're popular. Yes. <laughs> Jeff loves the fact that they killed Roger. He doesn't care that they're vampires. And he's like, if anybody asks where Rock and Roger is, just say you can't comment on the time. We'll just keep this thing going. Right. Um, and the band is blowing up. Like, they're very popular. He has Hugo check the uh, check the hits on their website, and it's like over a million, and yeah. it used to be 12. And, and real quick, I also would like to comment, I loved Henry Rollins with hair. That was pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, um, have you seen, he never died. No, he is in that and he has hair in that. So that's his actual hair. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, just <laughs> coiffured. Yeah. That maybe was... that's why he keeps it shaved. I don't know. Maybe he looks tough um, for shave. So <laughs> yes, he amps the band up and they are like ready to go. Joey's ready to quit. And suddenly he finds himself back at the crossroads and Alice Cooper's like, Hey man, everyone's doing it. Just relax. Join the band. And, uh, apparently he's a good salesman. Cause Joey comes back and tells Jennifer he wants to get vamped. Right. Um, he's decided he's very forceful about it. Yeah. And she doesn't want him to, but she ends up apologizing to him and turns him into a vampire by biting her lip and kissing him. Which I wonder if she had to do that for the other guys. Yeah. Huh? Hugo, on the other hand, at some point is like, come on, I'm the one who's been helping you this whole time. Why aren't you turning me? Um, the gig is incredibly vampiric. vampiric. They're all up there. At one point in time, the lead guitarist, while he's playing his guitar solo, is floating above the stage. Another vampire ability she failed to mention. Um, Eddie comes in, he's like wearing this light harness and he's got his crossbow and he's all ready to like start taking them out. He sees the whole band's gone vampire and Hugo like points to the points at him and yells to the bouncers. This guy's selling drugs Yeah, and the bouncers again, Hugo takes care of it. Not the manager. <laughs> yep. Uh, the bouncers take him out. So, um, afterwards there's a groupie backstage. She's lying on the pool table and 
three of them are like feeding off of her, like one on each leg and one on an arm. And uh, like Jeff comes in and he's like, oh, you're still hanging in here talking to her. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Joey is upset by this. And uh, so he goes out into the alley and Victor's out there. And Victor confronts him on being a vampire. Yeah, he just pops up and appears. Uh, you yes. know, it's just boop. Yes. Um, uh, Joey, like, is trying to explain himself and accidentally slits Victor's throat. As will happen. Yeah. <laughs> Victor falls and is bleeding out. And um, Joey drops down and feeds on Victor. Um, and comes in and says, I killed Victor. And they're just like, you can dedicate the next album to him. <laughs> um, and then right about there is where it really hit me that like this, this movie is a whole lot of them saying it isn't their fault. None of this is their fault. People right. are dying, but it's not their fault. Um, so now they're traveling around in a little model of a private plane instead of a little model of a hearse. <laughs> um, they're showing newspaper clippings about how popular they are. One of them, it mentions that they ate the Jonas brothers. Yeah. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> um, so Joey's talking to Jennifer on the plane and he says, would you be human again if you could? And she's like, but you can't. And then he brings Eddie in and she's worried. And he's like, no, I'm not here for you. I'm just here to kill Queenie because if I kill Queenie, you all become human again. And so she barters with Joey. Uh, he has to give up a lot of con- concessions before she'll agree to go to Queenie's house um, to help Ed kill Queenie. And there's really and, nice. And they covers. have a masterful plan to do it. Yes, they're going to distract him. Uh, they're going to distract Queenie, um, and then Ed will be able to kill him. They just have to distract him long enough for the sunrise. Yeah. There's a nice right. cover of Sympathy it, for nice the Devil there. Sympathy for the Devil? Yes. Um, yeah. As they show up at the house, which I thought was really cool. They show up and it's literally like, you know, your band shows up at one of your fans' places. I mean, it's not like Queenie's gushing over him, but, you know, they're like, oh, we brought you some hobo blood and he can tell this guy was Italian and... Uh, you know, what are you doing here? And they're like, well, the sun was about to come up. He's like, oh, you need a place to crash. Well, you know, Mikase Sukasa. And so everything seems to be going really well. But Hugo's standing there awkwardly and says he has to go to the bathroom. Um, and Queenie seems to pick up that something's off. And right around then, Hugo pees his pants. Um, <laughs> And so Queenie grabs uh, Joey and he's like, what's going on? And Jennifer goes to stake him and Queenie informs her that he's missed her heart. He then heads over and kills Sam. So drummer, Gonzo. They're easy to replace. And (laughs) the lead guitarist, Tyler's like, I'm on your side now and sits back down. down. (laughs) Yeah. That seems, that seems, that tracks. <laughs> that seems about right. Woo, better you than me. I'm out. <laughs> um, then Eddie shows up. And uh, he's like, I'm going to kill you because you took away the only thing that was important to me. And Queenie kills the lights. 
and Ed keeps shooting his crossbow. He hits Hugo twice, and he hits Tyler once. Um, before it turns out that his old lover shows up and she's a vampire, yeah. and she's been a K-pop star this whole time. I bet you Jeff's been representing her. That's a good, yeah, that's good. <laughs> yes, and I love that 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 you just hear it in the dark that ow ah yeah 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 it's they never so show cheap. the yeah they don't show the crossbows but Tyler's like why do you keep shooting when you can't see. <laughs> Um, Eddie turns to look at his girlfriend of old and Queenie strikes, but Joey, as could only happen in a rock vampire musical opera conglomeration thing, stakes Queenie through the heart with a Gibson flying V. Um, I don't think that's possible, but (laughs) (laughs) with vampire strength, it might be maybe with vampire strength. That's a good point. Um, then they all end up writhing on the floor in pain because, you know, withdrawal. Yeah. If you're a vampire uh, and you're no longer a vampire, you got all the pain you have to go through. Um, I jump six months. Oh, and Ed's girlfriend goes from this young, vivacious jazz singer. She, like, ages instantly. And they don't actually say she dies, but I assume that, like, she ages to death. But maybe she doesn't. Yeah. Maybe it's a happy ending for poor yeah, Eddie yeah. Van Helsing. <laughs> Six months later, Joey and Jennifer are a couple. They're wearing matching Argyle sweaters. Uh, yeah, that jumped out of me. That made me laugh hysterically. <laughs> Talking about how mundane their lives have become, you know, your mom's getting really good at charades. <laughs> uh, they get a flat tire and pull over to fix it. And as soon as they get out of the car to fix it, they're at the crossroads again. Yeah. But Jennifer doesn't seem to notice. Right, just Joey. Yeah, just Joey. And so he walks over and he opens the trunk the trunk and there's no spare in there. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere here's Alice Cooper. And he's here to help them. And Jennifer can see him, so it's not like a complete hallucination. Um and she's like, Can you do you have a car? And he's like, no, I have other modes of transportation. And this is where the cut in the back of the jacket becomes important because he spreads these black wings. Yeah. Um, and she's like, is this a nightmare? And he says, welcome to my nightmare. She <laughs> yes. lays, matching sweaters, pottery class. Um, and he basically convinces them to start the whole thing all over again. Right. And that's, that's where it ends. Credits start to roll there. There and, is and this. Don't they say something like, uh, well, we need a drummer. And he says, I have a guy or something like yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, the credits start to roll. There is this awesome outtake with Malcolm McDowell, um, like singing his line, like stop right there. He's like, everybody gets to sing in this movie, but me. And he's like still <laughs> singing and like laughing about it. And you hear them say action. And like in a half a second, he like delivers his line exactly like he's supposed to such a pro. But it was just yeah. really funny that they stuck that in there. And that's when they go through and they give everybody different shots of, you know, hey, this is uh, Pope, you know, that, you know, this was this person and this was this person. If you are into the uh, movies that will do not take themselves seriously, this is definitely it. a big change from everything else that we've had on our list. So <laughs> Yeah, far. yeah. So uh, if you've got past the first episode with Martyrs and that's just not your cup of tea. 
give this one a try. They're the yeah. exact opposites. We probably should have switched them around and hit people with, well, well yeah, we could still do it, I guess. But this is the <laughs> movie that you talk about making with your friends when you're in high school. It's like, what if we did this? And, oh, this would be great. It and, seemed like that. And, you know, with the friends theme, you had this band, they were friends and, you know, bad things happen. <laughs> I think this is the kind of movie that you would want to sit down with friends to watch. Yeah. Just because like you picked up on the T-Rex thing. Imagine watching this with like four other, five other people, how many different little Easter eggs you could pull out of it yeah. while it's going along. It would yeah. be pretty so there, cool. You know, we were just talking, we should be able to release everything here before Halloween. So if people are listening to this before Halloween, you're looking for a movie to watch uh, with everybody that could be enjoyable. This is it. It's not overly scary. It's a little comedic at time. Most of the time uh, it fits the horror thing for Halloween. You know, so it, it'd be a good, everybody sit down with popcorn and a, something to drink and watch this movie. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. It's a, uh... It's 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 entertaining and it's cheesy, but knowingly so. Yeah, exactly. It embraces the cheese. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. If you're not into Paranormal Activity and Saw and Friday the Thirteenth and Freddy and all those, give this one a try. Definitely. I, it was. I can't say it's my absolute favorite this season because I liked other ones for different reasons. Oh sure. But this fits my general personality and viewing choices. Uh, you know, if I'm like, okay, I've got these movies to choose from. Well, suck is a vampire comedy with rock music. Yeah. That's going to call to me every single time. Tick. tick yeah, exactly. Tick. Yeah. Um, have you seen stage fright? Mm, no, I don't think so. We'll have to put that on the list too. That is a slasher musical comedy. Uh, and that one's American. Um, I don't know how many famous people they have it, but Meatloaf plays a key role in it. Oh, well, heck, so, Meatloaf in it. Well, yeah. I got one for you if you've seen. Have you seen Phantom of the Paradise? I don't think so. Oh, uh, it's one you would enjoy. Recommended to me by Dean Haglund Langley from X-Files. I saw him at a convention, and he recommended that movie. Um, and the cool thing is I might hopefully get to see him at another convention this uh, weekend. So I'm going to tell him, Hey, I watched it. I liked it. <laughs> so is it might... humorous? Uh, it's, it's campy. If nothing else. I just caught up the list. I'm going to, you said phantom of the paradise. Phantom should be enough. Uh, hmm. The phantom well, carriage. Maybe. Uh, no, that, Wolf. that's a, that's a, um, Ingmar Bergman film. Well, and maybe uh, we can watch it and maybe I can convince Dean Haglund to come on and talk to us. Yeah, that'd us be cool. It. That he would be to talk about it. Yeah. Cause I know, you know, that's probably all he has, you know, nothing better to do. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep. Good movie. Good choice. Loved it. Yeah. Good. Excellent. Um, Next on the list is, uh, we were just talking about this, a movie that seems to have some kind of dark comedy overtones, and then it turns out it really doesn't. Uh, the Loved Ones is next, out of Australia. And it'll be interesting, because you've seen it more than once. I'm going to see it for the first time, so hopefully we'll have some interesting thoughts on it. There you go. All right, man. Good episode. Right. Good, good movie. Awesome. 
the creature slips from perception. Pay attention. It will rise again. <laughs>